Welcome to the Virtual CFO Podcast, where you'll learn how to grow and innovate your business one step at a time from successful business owners. And here's your host, Brad Turville. Hi there, it's Brad Turville here and welcome to the Virtual CFO Podcast. Today I have interviewed Chris Brown from Rising Tide. Chris is someone I recently met at a function that we were both at. I really resonated with him and he's got a, a very successful business in the, the wealth coaching and financial advisory space called Rising Tide. So I met up with Chris learn a little bit more about him and thought, you know what, I've really got to interview him. I've got to get him on the VCFO podcast uh, so, so everyone can also uh, find out a little bit more about him and what he does and the type of people he works with. So Chris's business is based out of Melbourne, uh, in the Docklands in particular. Um, we'll put all the links and a little bit more information about him in the show notes. So we're about to jump into it. If you love this, I enjoyed it. I'm sure you will as well. Head over to bjtfinancial.com.au. Head to the show notes. It'll have all the info in there plus a transcription. If you've got any questions, uh, any feedback, please leave it in the comments on there and I'll be able to get Chris to personally uh, log in and reply and help you out. So without further ado, let's jump into the interview. Chris Brown from Rising Tide, welcome to the Virtual CFO Podcast. Thanks for having me, Brad. Great to be along. Mate, you're welcome. So I'm going to start off, where's your favourite coffee shop in Melbourne? <laughs> Is it Kirikiri? I think the last time you and I had a coffee together down at South Bank, it was Kirikiri, and I reckon they do a, uh, a mean strong latte. Well, I'm, I'm glad you tried to pronounce it because I've got no idea how you actually pronounce the name of that coffee shop. I just, uh, <laughs> I just know it's the one that you and I met up at, so I'll leave it at that. <laughs> it's Fijian, by the way. <laughs> oh, Fijian. There, there we go. Um, yeah. So, mate, it's. I'm looking outside. It's a beautiful week in Melbourne. It's, it's you know the middle of December 2015, and and I'll, I'll put up in the show notes uh, an image of the the seven day forecast for Melbourne. Um, so it's you know it's a great time of year leading uh, into Christmas, and I thought it'd be a good idea to get you on um, and chat about all things finance and wealth uh, because it's definitely a uh, a space where we're not um, you know we're not educated. It's not something we learn in school, um, yep. and so you know we either learn it from family or friends. But we'll get to that in a little bit. What I'm interested in, and I think our listeners will be interested in, is is we're all small business owners. So you've got a successful firm now, Rising Tide. But you know, before that, um, tell us a little bit about before you started Rising Tide. I believe Stanford and the wealth management game uh, may have been where you were playing. Yeah, look, I was I was wrapped up in the corporate world where I worked for about five years, and my role at MLC, which is um, owned by the NAB, uh, was as a business coach. So I was coaching financial planners uh, how to run their businesses more efficiently. So talking about things like segmentation, servicing, pricing, marketing, and in a nutshell, mate. Um, they you had to do a lot wrong at that point in time not to make a buck in financial planning so there are a lot of apathetic clients um so we'd have these really robust robust and and strong conversations about how to improve their business but often they did nothing with it uh which led me to the point that i just said you know what i'll just go and do it myself 
Um, so with a little bit of training in the relevant subjects and then also heading across to Stanford just to uh, do an executive leadership uh, course. Um, and, and that was really about learning about teams and culture. Um, I launched a business called Financial Design for Life about 11 or so years ago. So uh, it, has, it hasn't all been smooth sailing, but um, I'm certainly glad that I did it. So that little business you started 11 years ago, did mm. that turn into Rising Tide or what happened with that? Yeah, yeah. Look, we, we sat down with a couple of marketers about five years ago and they loved everything about our business, our service proposition, um, our you know target audience and all that sort of stuff. They just thought that our name sucked. Um, so they charged us a lot of, a lot of money um, to come up with a, a different name. Um, and, and it was a name, coincidentally, that was um, endorsed by uh, Mark Boris. So I reckon Mark knew one or two things about marketing. I, so I um, took his advice and, and uh, yeah, re- renamed the, the ship, so to speak. Yeah, beautiful. Well, like you said, Mark Boris has got a few zeros on the end of his uh, bank account. So <laughs> it's he's... bigger than yours and mine. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll, I'll agree with that. <laughs> if we just jump back to Stanford, I mean, that's, that's probably a name now where in the professional services community, so, um, you know, uh, financial advisors, accountants, lawyers, uh, that sort of space, it's, it's, now, it's now an opportunity where you can get involved with a prestigious, you know, um, uh, American university for, uh, you know, executive level, level training. And I know for myself, something came across the table in the last six months, which I didn't jump on but it's definitely on the back burner and that was more of a, a, a innovation um, which probably plays a little bit more to to, to, to my interests and strengths um, around sort of that innovation and entrepreneurship so uh, you said yours was was more so around teams and culture was that right it was really interesting I was on the flight over to LA um, and I was talking to a peer of mine who's a CEO of a, of a fairly significant organization and we just said, you know, we, we've made this big financial commitment, this big time commitment. What's going to be the silver bullet? You know, it, it was it was um, high level. It was named executive leadership. And anyway, there were things like innovation. We thought that they might do case studies on innovative um, small business, medium business or large businesses. Uh, we also discussed, you know, will it be technology? Is technology the silver bullet? Um, so we, we, we spoke about this over the course of a couple of beers and, Every case study that we um, went through at Stanford, the, the, it was underpinned by incredible team culture. So for seven days, we learned about the creme de la creme of business over in the United States. And the one thing that each of them did right was culture. Um, so, so I found that really, really intriguing. And, it's, and as a consequence, I've come back with my learnings and everything that I do um, that I learn over there permeates through the business now, but it's all about you know valuing staff, um, motivating staff, retaining good quality staff, and getting rid of the uh, the plotters. Um, so yeah, it was a it was an incredible experience. And for your listeners out there who run small businesses, I empathise with you guys. I know that expenses are tight, um, and I know that um, we have serious time restrictions. But if you ever get the opportunity to go over to the likes of a Stanford or a Harvard. I'd strongly recommend you do it because it will take your business to a new level. Yeah, it's so timely that you say that. It's it's something that I've been you know reading just in sort of the last week. Um, guys like Tony Shea from from Zappos, which is a big online uh, shoe and clothing retailer in the states, 
um, which which actually got bought out by Amazon. He's got a book called Delivering Happiness, and his number one goal in in the business was culture. It was all about the culture, and it just attracted so much talent, similar to you know maybe here in Australia like Virgin Airlines, where you know their HR they don't pay a lot for recruitment because. Um, you know, so many people just want to go and work for the brand and and the perks and how it makes you feel and 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 all of that. And so, I guess is that something that you've instilled in in Rising Tide and help you grow grow your team? Because as you said, you know, team is uh, any entrepreneur knows it's you're only as good as the people around you, and um, there's only 24 hours in the day, so you need a team pretty quick to start the scale. Yeah, absolutely. Look, the centre of our universe is our clients. You know, if we've got happy clients, uh, we've got a successful business. And, uh, you know, I quickly cottoned on to the fact that if we've got incredible staff, you know, staff that really thrive under pressure, staff who um, always aspire to learn more, it means that our clients uh, are going to have an incredible experience. So, Absolutely, you know it's 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 something that we focus on day in day out, and they're, they're just the little jewels. And I know that you know there'd be a heap of people already doing this, but you know one thing that we automatically implemented when we got back is just giving um, our staff an RDO, um, a paid RDO on their birthday. You know, yep. a birthday should be something that should be celebrated with your family. The last thing that you want to do on that day is is probably come in and and, yeah. and work 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 away. Um, so we just said, look, as a gesture of goodwill, we rate you guys. We love having you a part um, of our team. Our clients love your work. Um, so as a pat on the back, just go and have a great day on your birthday. So I know that it sounds really, really trivial, but businesses like um, I think it's Antivo, you know, this is a, a business, it's an IT business um, that's one of the top 50 employers in Australia. They're doing stuff like that. So you know, get get on the get on the web. Find out the businesses that are recognised as leaders in this space, um, because often you see some fantastic case studies, which literally just give you the cheap notes as to what they're up to, and 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 just replicate it. You don't even need to use your brain. Yeah, for sure. Um, another one that's been in the the, the media in the last week, uh, and I actually did a presentation uh, within the last seven to fourteen days, was uh, a business called Vino Mofo. I'm not sure if you've heard of them. Um, Keen wine drinker. <laughs> there you go. Um, I mean, and, and and I remember stumbling across them. Um, oh, years ago, they were they were interviewed on the Small Business Big Marketing podcast, and and they got bought out by. Oh, catch of the day or, or, or Groupon or one of those style, uh, the, the the Aussie one of that, which I think is catch of the day. And they've now, um, they were featured in Smart Company during, you know, d- during the week about uh, a culture, you know, similar to what you were exactly just saying then about, you know, building the team and you know, making work somewhere that you want to go for, not just uh, where's my pay packet, five o'clock, I'm out the door, see ya, um, getting them involved. So on that point, um, do you go to the, to the step of of, of um, including your team members in 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 the strategy of where the business is going, the vision, even I guess the numbers on you know are we going well? Are we a bit tight? Where do we need to pick up some slack? Yeah, a- absolutely. I was I was um, coached by a bloke by the name of Terry Bell. Terry Bell founded um, a business consulting firm called Business Health, and anyway, Terry's. Terry's uh, big focus is, you know, making sure that you have a plan. You know, it's just a bit of a no-brainer. But he just says, Brandy, 
make sure you plan for the coming year this year. You know, don't get to January when, you know, you're still, your head's still down at lawn on the beach. Do it, do it in November. So in November, bring your team together. And first things first, you need to be completely transparent about where the business is going. So just in terms of pricing, in terms of client servicing, in terms of systems and processes and then the final piece and in my view the most important piece is 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 staffing and and give them an overview but then get them to contribute to the vision of the business moving forward and that's something that we did I think it was about five or so years ago and every year we have a an offsite in November the team comes together and it's just fantastic because they've completely and utterly bought into the vision for the business because it's their vision. I mean, look, we, we've got some skilled facilitators that have guided that conversation, but ultimately our team have made a huge contribution um, to the process along the way. So, yeah, it's um, it's great. And, and there's no secrets in our business and nor does, does there need to be. Yeah, for sure. Completely agree. And, you know, I always find it interesting when I come across a, a business and they don't, they're not open like that. And I'm not sure if it's 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 some sort of old school, you know, way way of thinking of, or, or maybe maybe it's something about the business owner being scared of. I don't want to I don't want to let them know too much because, you know, some something might happen or someone might might say something. And never have I seen it play out like that in in, in all my years. It's always you know the the people on the ground will tell you you know what's going on if 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 you know you want to know why something's wrong up in reception well. Ask the receptionist. They're there, you know, eight hours a day. They'll tell you exactly what's working and what's not working. Don't try and put some hierarchical sort of structure in place of this how it needs to be done. It's, um, you know, obviously for you and me, it's 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 common sense. But um, again, it's it's probably an area where a lot of business owners just get busy running the business, um, and and you know, you, you've structured yourself so. It's not a hundred percent, you know. Chris answers every call. Chris does every little bit of financial advice. You've structured it so that so the team can do a lot of the heavy lifting. Um, and I think, you know, the the old way of, of of well, not the old way, but the, let's call it maybe the default way for a lot of smaller business owners is they have to do everything, and that just means uh, certain things need to fall over. So, just just before you, you go on, Brad, my, my view on why. Some small business owners aren't transparent is obviously to do with money. I mean, people don't like talking about money and the last thing that most people want is their staff knowing how much money they make. But if you, if you think about the Gen Ys these days, they're, they're, they're in their 20s and 30s. Um, they're, they're very, very smart. They're very smart. We, I mean, look, they've got their flaws, but, but, but we need to acknowledge that they're super smart. And my view is they know how much you're earning. They know how much you're earning. I mean, they look at the pricing. They look at the volume of clients coming through the door. So they have a rough idea about how much you're earning. So so I, I kind of got my head around that and I just said, well, if they already know, why not just put it, you know, in black and white and just sort of say, you know, this is, this is how the business looks from an economic point of view. Now, the thing that has been really sort of intriguing is that that is, you know, it, it makes them quite aspirational now because they're looking at me and they're just sort of saying, well, Chris isn't the brightest bloke um, going around. He's doing okay. 
Um, so therefore, I'm going to aspire to do a similar sort of thing. And we both know that you can only have financial success if you do the right thing by the client. So, so they subsequently, you know, service the pants off the clients and find new clients to help, and um, and then everyone wins. So, it's um, yeah, it's just something that I, I believe that everyone should be doing. For sure. I mean, just just that. If listeners could take away just that about. Um, you know, how to how to work, um, you know, in unison with their team in a very egalitarian, um, you know, structure where you know we're all here to fight the same cause. You know, we're all here offering a product or service. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not the demon on top cracking cracking the whip. Um, um, so many more fun and and productive workplaces could be made out of that. Um, a question I've got for you is is businesses turning over less than a million dollars a year, uh, inherently have a sales and or marketing problem, usually both. Um, they don't do any marketing and they don't actually know about sales. So from, from starting your business to where you are today, um, that's also something we don't learn doing our, you know, doing our financial advice, um, uh, you know, going through university, but, but maybe you picked up on a little bit of that uh, at, at MLC. Um, tell us about that. How how did you, I guess, uh, maximise your sales and marketing to, you know, get ahead? Uh, two, there's two things. The first one everyone knows: you, you got to spend money to make money. Um, and the sooner you reach that million dollar threshold, I, I find with my small business clients, that's when you actually start making a decent amount of profit, a profit that is proportionate to the amount of effort that you put in. So therefore. Uh, set that as a goal and get there as quickly as possible because I know, you know, profit as a percentage of revenue um, increased demonstrably at that point. Um, the second thing is my view on spending money on marketing is I don't want to burn cash. I've done it once. I, I, I invested $10,000 into an e-commerce strategy and I lost $10,000. I had no return on investment and you can hear by the tone of my voice I'm still upset about <laughs> it. So at that point in time, we just said that any time that we invest in marketing, at a minimum, we want to break even. And I think that that has really, really served us well. So we'll, we'll, do a, we'll have some really sort of thorough uh, conversations and ask the service provider some really tough questions, whether it be a radio station, whether it be an SEO strategist, whoever it might be. But it is underpinned by the fact that we will only invest in something in the marketing sphere that at a minimum we break even and then everything else is profit from there, 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 um, there afterwards. So, yeah, so they're, they're my two things. Okay, so tell me, is, is referrals, uh, does referrals play a part in the business as well? And if so, yeah. um, how, how, <laughs> do you, how do you get the team involved and, and what's, your, I guess, your strategy? Do you have a little secret sauce around making that work? Yeah, absolutely. That's a really interesting one. And I think there's a lot of small business owners out there like you and I who are reluctant to ask existing clients for referrals. And, and we find that this is the cheapest way and the best way to get more clients through the door. Because the reality is, you know, that sort of person hangs out with a similar sort of person. And often from a financial planning point of view, they've got the same sort of issues. So they've got a young family, so they need to put a plan B in place. They've got super all over the place, which they need to tidy up. And they've probably got a whopping mortgage if they're invested in the Melbourne property market. So so there's, there's huge opportunity. Um, my, my view on this is do not script 
that conversation. So when the client comes in, they're immensely satisfied with the service that you've delivered. Don't give them a script to follow. Give them a framework. Um, and, and, and our framework is just simply validating that the client is happy with the service that was provided and then saying something like, well, if you're happy with how we went about it and if you've got some friends or family that you believe that I could help, um, we would absolutely love to help them and, and would be grateful if you could sort of provide their details or pass on my details. But obviously, there is no pressure whatsoever if you're not comfortable doing that. So just humanising the process as opposed to turning it into a call centre because everyone knows when someone is talking off script versus being a human being. Com- completely agree. And, and like you said, once you've got a framework, it should flow. It should be very simple and, and easy. And I think where a lot of businesses get hung up, I uh, spoke with a, a very large accounting firm, a top 20 accounting firm, and and they they didn't know how to do referrals. Like, you, you know, just you, it just rolled off the tongue. Um, that's that's basically exactly the same uh, way that I do it and, and, and I advise our clients to do it. And I think where a lot of businesses uh, fall down is they don't, they don't, they do it as a last minute thing. I think it's a little bit like how they do their social media and blogging as well is it's sporadic. It's sort of just in blasts. And uh, an example I give is that um, it's like going up to someone and the first thing you say is tell me a joke. You, you sort of, your brain shuts off and you can't think of anything. It's like going up to someone <laughs> saying, can you give me a referral? Well, I don't know. But when you've when they've had a good experience and you've got that great rapport and they love you, of course they're gonna. What are they gonna say? No, no. We don't want to give anyone to you to do an amazing job. Like it's it's simple. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you liken it to when you go to a good restaurant. I mean, I'm, I'm a massive foodie and I, I tell ten people. And yeah. uh, you know, if you're good at what you do, people are happy to refer to you. Um, if you're uncertain as to what sort of framework that you need to um, follow, um, the, the, the only sales coach that I really rate in Australia is a bloke by the name of David King. I'm sure if you, you email um, or, sorry, if you Google David King sales coach, something will come up. But um, to David's credit, David just simply provides the framework and then he encourages the participants to put their own words around it. Um, so yeah, just, just make sure that you, you humanize the process and, and, and it's congruent with everyone's personality type. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Well, let's jump into, to your skill set, what you actually do and, and, and what you and your team do at Rising Tide. And I said earlier, smaller businesses struggle in sales and marketing. And I think that's a lack of planning, but it's also, most people aren't taught about sales and marketing. And as you and I both know, a lot of people aren't talk about uh, taught about accounting and finance um, either in high school or, or or outside, and so I guess it's no wonder that so many families, I guess, struggle with with money or investing or saving, because if you're not trained in it, well, you know how you're going to have a skill set there. So, um, you know, I guess is it is it fair to say that families that plan their finances and, and, and you know, um, plan where to invest um, are, are worse off doing it themselves as opposed to coming and working um, with your team or, or similar? Yeah, look, look, you just look at the stats. I mean, traditionally only about one in four, one in five people actually seek out financial planning advice. And I'm really sort of pleased to say that it is improving. Um um, and I understand why a lot of people don't because, you know, all you need to do is read the media or watch a current affair and, and it's a bit of a turnoff. 
But the reality is people need to seek advice. They just need to seek advice because at retirement, at the moment, and and only 5% of Australians retire self-funded. So what I mean by self-funded is completely independent of the age pension. And I think that that is a really, really scary statistic because I can't sort of tell you precisely what the age pension is. Perhaps you might know it, Brad, but the age pension effectively puts you on the poverty line, in my view. I mean, if you want to have an enjoyable uh, retirement, you want to be earning more than what the age pension um, um, is paid to you. So therefore, it's about starting now. You know, if if you're still on the rise, if you're just commencing your, your corporate career or if you've got a young family and you're still in your 30s and 40s, start doing something now. And I think the starting point is sitting down with a trusted professional like me or like you or, or just someone for that matter and just start building a plan. Because the one thing that I hate is when people make that first appointment when they're about two years from retirement, they've got $100,000 sitting in super and they've still got a mortgage. And I just look at them and I feel completely helpless. I literally don't have a magic wand to rectify that situation. However, if that same person came to see me 30 years earlier or 20 years earlier, we've got a chance to make sure that they reach retirement and they flourish. For sure. And so I guess, you know, the, the type of clients that both you and I work with are, you know, let's generalize and say in the 28 to 38 you know, your old bracket. Um, so they, you know, I guess the mindset and, and you'll probably relate to this is, well, hang on, 65 years of age is so far away, you know, um, I'm just going to, you know, go out and buy this or do this or, do, or just not even worry, <laughs> don't even think about it at yeah. all. It doesn't even cross their brain. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's, but, but it's interesting that the, the really sharp operators I'm finding um, are actually thinking about this stuff now. You know, the, the, the people who are going to have spectacular retirements are already self-sacrificing. Um, so if you want to know what the, the, the rest of the world is doing, and, and we're not talking about the average Australian, we're talking about the, the, the people who are really making inroads in terms of their wealth accumulation, they're doing a little bit, a lot right now. And they're not just investing in property and they're not just investing in super. They're doing all types of things. So they're not putting all of their eggs in one basket. Right. And have you found with small business owners, I find this is a biggie. It's having that conversation of anyone that's read uh, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People will know that the second habit is starting with the end in mind. Um, you know, regardless of, of whether you're, you're a mum and dad wage earner or you're a, you're a small business owner, uh, I guess more so with small business owners, they don't have that forced savings of, of superannuation and, and maternity leave and, and, and all of the above. Um, and, and a lot of them don't think of what's my exit plan for the business until they, something happens, which is usually, you know, they might get crook, um, you know, something pops up in life that's not planned because most most things that happen aren't planned. Um, well, they just go, get old and, and their partner's tapping them on the shoulder saying, hey, I want to go travel Australia or spend time with the grandkids. Um, let's get rid of this business. And it's just not structured right or, or maximized to, to, to move on, succeed on for the highest ticket possible. Um, that's their superannuation is their, their business. Um, and that's something I, I see time and time again in the news. I'm just going, oh, it's, you know. 
it, it's, it's such a biggie. Yeah, I, I, I struggle with that one as well, Brad, and I hear it all the time from small business owners where they just go, ah, not going to worry about my super because, you know, my super is my small business. And in that situation, sorry, my super is, yeah, my small business. I did get that right. Um, but, but on that note, and we see it time and time again, small businesses fail. Small businesses fail. So I reckon there's small business owners out there that need to ask themselves that question. What would happen if my own small business failed um, and I had no super, I had no plan B? Um, and Because it is, it, you know, it could happen. So therefore, you know, keep investing back into your small business, keep growing it, but also have your plan B. Start salary sacrificing Start contributing to your self-managed super fund and doing things like that because I'm in awe of small business owners. I think they're the greatest contributors to Australian society. They employ people, they support families, and they always put those people ahead of themselves. I think it's time for small business owners to start thinking about themselves too. For sure. All right. So if I'm you know, a, a, a small business owner out there or I'm a, a mum or dad or a family, what... What sort of indicators, you know, will, will I be seeing right now? What sort of measurements will I look at that'll say to me, you know, what I should go and and speak to to Chris or speak to a financial advisor or a wealth coach? Yeah, I, look, I, I just think if you're feeling any pain, if you're feeling pain, that's when you need to sort of sit down with someone because you might actually sit down with a bloke like me and find that relative to your peers and based upon how you live, whether you're frugal or whether you're indulgent. You might actually find that you're going okay, but often unless it's validated, unless you sort of get it out on the table and talk it through, you actually don't know and it it causes unnecessary stress. So as a starting point, if there's any uncertainty, if there's any stress in a relationship, if there's any stress in yourself, just pick up the phone and book in an appointment. I mean, most financial planners these days and, and even accountants for that matter will offer an obligation-free consultation. I know that we certainly do. And it just gives you the opportunity to see whether, one, there's a need to do something, and two, whether or not that person is the right fit for you and for your family. So as a starting point, I think that you need to start doing that sort of stuff and then just take it from there. Completely agree. I remember reading a stat a couple of years ago and it was something like, I think about 84% of families are underinsured. Um, and I know a lot of people roll their eyes at, in, at insurance. And, and, and it's just a case of if something happens and you're the breadwinner, then you, not only do you have to deal with life and, and, and the changes that have happened, but you've now got to do that at, at, a, at a financial disadvantage, which, which again is almost adding salt to the wound um, and making it completely unfair. And I remember I had... We had a client years ago and and we were setting up a self-managed super fund for him and I must have asked a dozen times about insurance, get a review, get a review and they said, no, 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 like I won't roll all my funds over. Ended up doing it all, you know, just, just tried to help as much as possible, rolled over all of their uh, super funds um, which which cancels the the insurance policy for any listeners that, that don't know the process. But basically, what that meant was he lost a half a million dollar policy because when he went to get a new policy in his SMSF, he'd had cancer before, and they said well, we're not going to insure you. And so now he, he lost a half a million dollar fund, and and you know um, 
he was kicking himself over it, as you as you could imagine. And I was going, mate, I, I just I tried. You know, how many times do you have to bang it home? And and he said, look, I, I know it was it was no wrongdoing by you, but I mean that was that was one of the worst. Since then, I've just everyone I've just stressed it. A lot of people say, you know, why, why are you making such a big deal out of this? I'm like, and I tell them that story. And it's sometimes you need to sort of, I think now with the media, you know, there's so many sort of wars and bad things happening in the world. You sometimes sort of need to hit, you know. Tell them the truth. Just tell them the truth. Truth. And, and sometimes yeah. a story like that, sometimes it's almost like hitting them with, with a sledgehammer to get their attention. Yeah. And look, and, and Brad, it's a, it's a real risk. Like I did a presentation to a whole bunch of small business owners last week and we were talking about insurance and you could just see on their faces people just glaze over. Yeah. Um, but, but, but I was sort of did a case study and we were talking about a 35-year-old male non-smoker. And statistically, so this is fact, statistically, if you're a female – there's a one in four chance of suffering a serious illness before the age of 65. So there's a 25% chance. And if you're a bloke, because we're, we're a little bit simple, the, the probability goes up. So if you're a bloke, there's a one in three percent chance that you're going to, you know, get diagnosed with cancer or have a heart attack and things like that. So you just need to ask yourself, in the event that you're running successful small business and, you, and you're cruising and the business is profitable, how would the business go if you've just been told that you've got cancer and, and you've got six months to live? Yeah, yeah. Because it's a, it's a real risk and, and, look, it's something that we're enormously passionate about because we know that people love talking about the sexy stuff. You know, they yeah. love talking about the Melbourne property markets, the Sydney property markets. They love talking about, you know, shares, whether they're growth or value or GARP and all that sort of stuff. But what they're reluctant to talk about is the heavy stuff and the heavy stuff is – your plan B, you know, what, what would happen if your income ceased? Because you, we, we both know, Brad, don't we, that the bank are still going to be knocking on your door asking for those mortgage repayments. Sure. And the school that you're sending your kids to is still going to be knocking on your door to pay the school fees. But if your income stopped, um, how are you going to get by? Yeah, for sure. I mean, and, and, and definitely listeners out there, that's, that's something to put on your list is, is – you know, it might be a, a bit of drudgery for you if 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 insurance and and, and accounting is, is is not your favourite subject, but it's it, it just needs to be done. I mean, it's and and it's almost a bit selfish if you want to put it that way. In that, you know, a lot of people say, well, I'm, if I'm not here anymore, then I don't have to worry about it. It's like, it, you know, I couldn't think of a worse a worse thing to say. So, it, I say to clients every year when you're pulling your stuff out to do your tax. Check your will. Does your will need updating? Pull out your insurance, and the other one is pull out, pull out your loan statements. Even flick them, flick them to your broker, and say, "Hey, I, I had a client email me on the weekend, and she was excited because she's a small business owner. She called up the bank and said, "Hey, can you do anything for me?' Just out of the blue, and they said, "Yeah, we'll knock half a percent off your mortgage." It's massive. It's and, and and that's the thing, and and that's why I'm big on partnering mortgage brokers, big on partnering accountants like you, and and big on partnering financial planners because they they actually do the hard yards for you. You know, they they'll they'll make those phone calls on your behalf, and um, if they're doing the right thing, they should be representing you every day of the week. Um, so therefore, you know, they they can actually choose the insurance company or the bank that's the most appropriate for you that gives you the tightest interest rate or the most affordable insurance premium. So, yeah, definitely don't be paying any more than you should be um, because we, we all feel the same. We No one likes paying for those things. For sure, and especially now that 
rates are historically low. Um, if, if you're not paying peanuts in interest rate, well, you know, you, you've either got a terrible credit history or um, you're just putting your head in the sand and, and you, you know, you, 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 you must enjoy the pain of paying high interest rates. Absolutely, <laughs> um, absolutely. So Christmas, Christmas time, it's, it's a little bit crazy. We're, you know, we're, we're just under a, a, about a week and a half out. Um, everyone will be whipping the credit cards out. Uh, there'll, be, there'll be annual leave. Um, let's, I'll get you to rattle off, uh, let's say three to five, I guess, you know, tips about, you know, maybe even go a bit more high level, you know, where, where, where are some of the easy wins, um, where, when, when an average client might come in that, that hasn't seen an advisor before, you know, that, that's probably might have a, might have a home, um, and, and just never, you know, looked at their finances. They just, you know, they're a creature of circumstance. Just yeah. Look, it, n- number one, assess what you've got. So figure out, you know, where are your loans? What interest rates are you paying? Where, how much insurance do you have? How much does it cost you? So just do a bit of a pulse check and make sure that your bank has given you their tightest interest rate and your insurance companies aren't charging you more than you should be. Because I find that if you do that exercise or if you get someone else to do that exercise for you, immediately you'll actually harness some cash flow that you didn't previously have. So so do that. Um, in, in terms of the Christmas period, we all know that we get to the end of January and we find that our credit cards have are maxed out or, or they've got more on them than there should be. So I'm a big believer through the course of December, so when you're buying Christmas pre- presents for everyone, to use a debit card. Forget about your credit card because we're all prone to generosity and, and buying more presents than we should. So if you're going to do that, use your own money as opposed to your bank money. Your own money costs you nothing apart from a little bit of saving. Bank money costs you, you know, about 20% in interest costs. So passionately, passionately hate credit cards. Um, and if you're, if you're not good at harnessing your spending, um, perhaps cut them up and start using a debit card instead. Instead. Um, and then the final thing is just over the Christmas period, and I see it a lot, we've got some artistic types in my family, which you probably don't believe, Brad, but, okay. but we do because I don't have an artistic bone in my body. But some of these guys through the course of Christmas, they, they actually just, um, you know, they make Christmas presents. So they're high in thought but low in cost. Yeah. So if you're like a lot of Australians out there at the moment that is doing it really, really tough, think about something like that. You know, think about not sort of forking out 50 bucks and buying iTunes um, cards, but going down to Lingcraft and buying some fabric and sort of putting an artistic piece together. Or conversely, if you're a bit of a photographer, you know, framing up some photography that you've done for 20 bucks. Um, It all adds up. It all adds up. And I think you and I would both agree doing a little bit a lot um, is, is, is the way forward is the way forward. For sure. And I'll give a little tip out that I had a quick win in, in the last week. I, um, I was organising some end-of-year uh, little gifts and presents and cards for, for our clients. And I, one of my favourite magazines, I, I hit up the publisher and said, hey, I want about a dozen copies of this to, to, send, out to, a, you know, to send out to some of our small business clients. Can I, can I buy them direct off you or do I need to go to the newsagent? And he said to me, well, mate, we're just a couple of suburbs away. If you jump in the car and come over, you can just have, have them and take them. So, um, I mean, it was, it was, again, like we said earlier about, about your mortgage, about your insurance. It's just, just ask 
and and you'll receive because if you don't ask, you, you're never going to receive it. So I guess that's that's just a lesson in yeah, yeah life in general is I, uh, have I, a crack. I, I'll tell you another cracker that I get off my cousins every year. I got a nine year old and a six year old, and they they give me IOUs. So they they just sort of say, you know, if you want to have a night on the town or go and sort of sample some new restaurants and wines with Brad. Uh, we'll come and we'll come and look after the kids for a night, and I can tell you that that would be so much uh, more valuable to me as opposed to a, a pair of um, socks from Kmart. So <laughs> yeah, for sure. Think think outside the square, and I think the best people to talk to is just everyone around you because there'll be some real pearls out there. Yeah, definitely. So, how can people find out about you about Rising Tide? How can they interact uh, to go to the next step? Yeah, look, if, uh, if you want to learn more about us, starting point is um, check out our website, which is catchtherisingtide.com.au. Um, and then conversely, if you, if you just want to sort of touch base, you, you're more than welcome. I'm highly accessible. Um, you can reach me on 1300 880 325. Just ask to have a chat to Brownie and uh, I'll give you a tingle and, and we can have a chat and potentially have a chat face-to-face. But as I sort of said, um, just get out there, get advice, start now, do a little bit a lot, and uh, I'll tell you what, you'll be grateful down the track. Yeah, for sure. Great advice, uh, Chris. You know, lots of gold to take from this. Um, I'll put all of Chris's details in the show notes, everything he just rattled off of then. Um, so head over to bjtfinancial.com.au to check them out. Uh, Brownie, thanks for uh, giving us some time today. Thanks for having me, guys, and uh, all the very best to all your small business owners out there, and you're doing a great job, and, yeah, we're, uh, we're pushing the economy forward. So, well done. Thanks, mate. Good on you. Okay, so there you go. How good was that? You know, it's great to hear a little bit about another small business owner and, and some of the things that Chris has done really well to, to scale and grow his practice, you know, plus some tips for now for Christmas time around, you know, cash flow um, and a little bit around financial advice. So Chris did uh, tell you where you can go to find out a little bit more about him. I've also put the links and that same information in the show notes plus a full transcription for you to download if you would prefer to have a bit of a look at it through that medium. If you've got any feedback, if you've got any questions, please head over to bjtfinancial.com.au. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening today.